Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views, the place for pets. And they're people who love them. Aw, he's so soft. Come here, come here, boy. Here is your host, practicing veterinarian, veterinary news network reporter, and host of the popular YouTube show, The Web DVM, Dr. Roger Welton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. I'm your host, practicing veterinarian Roger Welton. I'd like to wish you all a belated Happy New Year. The reason I'm saying Happy New Year is because this is my first time talking to all of you in 2013. Sorry I took my time to get back on the air, but I had to, um, got a lot of transition going on in my clinic. Had a lot to do in the beginning of this year. I went to the North American Veterinary Conference. Veterinary conferences are events that we go to where we learn new techniques and uh, new medicine and new innovations and the latest research that we study by day. We do have a little bit of fun at night, but one of the coolest experiences I had was I got qualified in acupuncture, which has really gotten me charged up. Right now I'm qualified to treat osteoarthritis of the hips, knees, and elbows and intervertebral disc disease of the spine and arthritis of the spine, but uh, I became so moved by my experience in getting qualified for acupuncture, spending an entire day learning some basic techniques that uh, I really see in my foreseeable future. I I'm really want to go for a full certification, which is a one-year process. But um, that brought me to this topic that I wanted to cover, and it's actually a three-part topic. Tonight's part one of why not alternative medicine. Now, before I get on with the show, I just want to make it very clear to everybody I am very much a Western-trained doctor. I have been trained in the Western techniques, which is the identification and diagnosis of disease, identification of disease, and direct treatment of the disease. Western medicine has a lot of great things about it, and I certainly don't want to reject it. But at the same time, I think we all need to keep our minds open to alternative techniques, that have, many of which have been around for four to 5,000 years. And a lot of it, what I'm talking about is Chinese medicine, but... Alternative medicine is a lot more than just Chinese medicine. I mean, Chinese medicine has a lot of great things about it, one of which is acupuncture, of course, but there's a whole um, herbal side of Chinese medicine that has a lot of merit, um, a lot of medical credibility, and a lot of ancient history behind its roots. And so we, we want to consider that part as well, but there's also other alternative therapies. So when we're talking alternative, we're talking about not just giving a magic shot for a particular condition. We're not talking about just take a pill and you'll feel better. We're talking about boosting the body and giving the body its best tool to do what it does best, which is heal itself. And that doesn't just encompass Chinese medicine. We have, of course, I've talked about on many occasions, the therapy laser, which is known in the human medicine uh, pretty much overwhelmingly as cold laser, You've heard me talk about that many times uh, on the air if you've been a fan of the show. But uh, there's also other things like nutritional therapy. You know, we can we can enhance health and help a lot of conditions by just aiming with nutrition and, and boosting the body optimally through nutrition. And then, of course, there's also the field of nutraceutical therapy, which nutraceuticals are a slew of supplementation or supplemental health products that we can give 
to um, help with overall health or for the treatment of certain conditions. So I want to get into all of that. Um, you know, we have, a, like I said, a great deal to talk about, but the first thing I want to do, because you've been, these folks have been waiting quite a long time, uh, is I would like to do, go over the first of two email questions, uh, one of which was submitted close to a month ago, and I do apologize for the wait, but I addressed these on the air, and unfortunately, you're between episodes. The name of this person, I, I, I wanted, it's D-E-J-A, and <clears throat> I'm going to assume that's pronounced Deja, as in Deja Vu. But if I'm, if I'm incorrect, I apologize, but I'm going to say Deja. Deja is from Tampa, Florida, and this is a, a really interesting one here. And uh, I'd like everybody to have a good listen because this is a very common problem in kitty cats. Her question is as follows. I have a five-year-old male cat who gets bouts of blood in his urine, pain when he urinates, and it lasts for about seven days. The vet has treated it before with antibiotics, but it always runs the same course, whether he gets antibiotics or not. He just suffers for about seven days, then he's fine for four to six weeks. We have tried everything at this point, even though none of his urine tests show that he had crystals. The vet recommended we try a crystal prevention prescription diet just because it acidifies his urine pH, and he thought that may do him some, his bladder some good. His bladder has been x-rayed, ultrasounded, and his urine has been cultured, and nothing has been found. My doctor is out of options, so my husband and I are looking possibly, to possibly consider alternative medicine, which is why this episode in your brand of medicine intrigued me. Are you aware of any alternative treatments for this condition that we should be looking into? Thanks, and I love your show. You have yourself a new fan. Smiley face. All right. Well, Deja, thank you very much for the nice words. And I'm so glad that you contacted us because, you know, this is precisely what we're talking about. So basically, what, what Deja Kitty has is a condition known as idiopathic cystitis. Basically, when we tag the term idiopathic, that means it's a disease that we don't have an explanation for. We don't quite know what causes these things. We know that in some cases, glucosamine therapy can be helpful. A lot of people have heard of glucosamine in the use of the treatment of joints um, for chronic inflammatory diseases of the joints, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, things of that nature. But for some reason, again, we cannot completely explain why, we think perhaps because of the glycosaminoglycan, a molecule that's present in the glucosamine, it may have an anti-inflammatory action in the bladder, but some cats do respond to glucosamine therapy. So even though you'd be getting like joint chews for your cat or a joint powder to sprinkle in the food, that may be something to consider. You didn't mention that you tried that. Also, raising serotonin in these kitties can also be helpful. Um, they, some of them will respond, about 40% of these cats will respond to treatment with amitriptyline, which we use for behavioral disorders in cats, um, you know, when they're doing unwanted voiding or, you know, just quirky behaviors or if they're, you know, real big scaredy cats and just are miserably scared all the time or becoming uh, really aggressive. It's just a great antidepressant. It reduces feelings of panic. It does all that through increasing serotonin. Well, something about that increase in serotonin can sometimes help with bladders. It has an anti-inflammatory effect. So that's another thing to consider. As far as alternative alternative medicine on the Chinese side, um, I actually, I was, I was taught by, when I was at the conference doing my acupuncture, I was taught by a very renowned uh, Chinese veter- traditional veterinary or traditional Chinese veterinary medicine doctor by the name of Dr. Shea. Uh, brilliant, brilliant man. He's actually the chief of traditional Chinese veterinary medicine at the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine, where he's actually working hand in hand with neurologists, internists, and surgeons 
to provide integrative medicine uh, for cases where they don't have an answer. So, you know, this guy has a lot of merit. And actually, I brought up, you know, could I be taking acupuncture into the realm of helping cats with idiopathic cystitis? Very frustrating disease. Clearly, Deja is very frustrated. He mentioned that, to be honest, the effects with acupuncture are probably limited. So he was very honest in saying that he actually does not see a great deal of benefit. But on the herbal side, he thinks that's where we can really help these cats. Now, I can't tell you I have direct knowledge of that. I, try, I, I plan to learn. But my suggestion to you, Deja, would be on the west coast of Florida, since this man, Dr. Shea, is actually offering a specialty in traditional Chinese veterinary medicine out of the University of Florida, they're putting out a lot of graduates with this kind of background, strength in acupuncture, certification in acupuncture, strength in herbal medicine, and uh, strength in or certification in herbal medicine. So I would do your research, and I, you know, I, I, I can't tell you that I can specifically recommend an herbal treatment. I plan to go there with my career. Herbal medicine is certainly something I'm very interested in as well. Uh, we shouldn't be saying no to this stuff, but in answer to your question, what I can offer you is for alternative measures. You can try glucosamine. You could also try amitriptyline. Um, so that's the best I can answer that. But great question, Deja, and again, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, just to remind everybody, we are a live call-in show. Uh, the number is one eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five one eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five. And I do uh, ask that you call in and uh, ask me a question or offer your comments or anything you want to contribute to the show. We are live and we're taking calls. So, um, so as far as moving forward with our our broadcast here. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, you know, keep the emails coming, of course. The emails um, are a great modality as far as communicating with us as well. Clearly, a lot of folks like to, um, you know, rather be contribute to the show more discreetly, you know, a little bit shy, and that's okay. So keep the email coming as well, and that has not changed. The uh, email is comments at webdvm.net, comments at webdvm.net, and when you type that in, folks, it's web-dvm.net. That, all that information is also present in uh, for your blog talk radio or podcast listeners. Uh, you can get that all straight from the uh, uh, profile on my show page. So, so moving on here, ladies and gentlemen. So, so let's talk about alternative medicine. And what part one is is really just an, an explanation of why the resistance in our culture. Um, why aren't we seeing more of this stuff? Why is it so slow to, to, to come along? And why is it that veterinary medicine seems to be a lot more proactive, albeit, you know, a little less proactive than I'd like them to be or us to be, but more proactive in, in pursuing this than on the human side. On the human side, these, these traditionally trained Western doctors don't want to hear one iota about it for the most part. They won't even entertain the notion of considering some of these things. And it's just, it's just kind of ridiculous, and um, you know, I, I really want to talk about uh, exactly why that is. And there's, there's really two big reasons for it. I'm really going to break those down for you this evening, and hopefully, we can, as a culture, start to overcome uh, these reasons here. But I'd like to uh, actually address our first call this evening. We actually have a caller for the first time since we've gone back to the live format. So let me uh, take this call, and we will come right back and continue with our episode here. Good evening. You are on the air. Good evening, Dr. Welton. My name is Margaret, and I'm from Salmonac, Illinois. 
I have a small oh, three-pound male Yorkie that has some back okay. problems, and he he seems to be in pain. He's kind of hunched. Um, my vet wants to put him on medication, but I'm not a big fan of medication if something else is available. Um, your article about acupuncture intrigued me, and I myself use acupuncture. Would this also help my um, my little guy with his yeah, I mean that's that, that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. And uh, as I discussed, you know, my main body experience in acupuncture at this point is treating backs and knees and elbows um, and arthritis in those places. And certainly, uh, spinal or chronic spinal disc disease is part of what we're we're trying to cover as well. Um, the the answer is absolutely yes. Um, one of the things, and we're going to get into this as we this is a three part series that we're doing um, today. We're just going to talk about you know what are the barriers as far as accepting alternative medicine and, and what the barriers have been and how we can overcome those. But I'm going to get into exactly um, what the, the big difference in the contrast is as well uh, between Western and alternative medicine. Well, as far as the alternative medicine, especially, you know, with the acupuncture, what we're doing is we're not treating the disease directly. I mean, of course, you put in the acupuncture needles and you're increasing blood flow, you're decreasing muscle spasms, you're bringing in healing cells, by increasing circulation and blood flow, but um, you're also releasing endorphins, and endorphins are nature's pain relievers. So you can actually use the body's own endorphins to treat itself for pain so you're not having to slam the liver with anti-inflammatories or steroids. Um, so in that regard, what we're doing is giving the body its tools to uh, give, it, give the body pain, give itself pain relief, as well as give it the tools to heal itself. So in answer to your question, um, Yes, absolutely. I think acupuncture is a great modality to consider, and the best part is no side effects. And I think that's probably what you're looking for: is that you're shying yeah, off. Yeah, yeah you're, shy, you're 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 a little bit shy of the medication, most likely because you're concerned about side effects. Am I right there? Right, and I I I use acupuncture myself, and I just wondered right. if it would be the same on on my little guy as it would as it does for me because it's it's great. Yes, and the physiology is the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the physiology and the anatomy is virtually identical. In fact, a lot of the points that I was hitting in dogs um, have um, points in people that are, you know, fairly uh, fairly close as far as anatomy is concerned, if not identical. So I would expect the same benefit, and I would certainly try to find an acupuncture-certified uh, doctor in your area. Oh, I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. It's my, my pleasure. Thank you for calling. You're our first caller of the year. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, take care now. Call us again, please. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So, I mean, there you have it, case in point. Um, and, and that's what I want to get into because, you know, that's the big difference. So so let's talk about the pros and cons of Western versus um, alternative medicine. So generally Western medicine, what you're talking about is <clears throat> let's talk about the pros. Because let's you know I'm not trashing Western medicine. I'm very much a believer in it. But um, with Western medicine, you have diagnostic capability. You can run blood work. You can take X-rays. You can do ultrasound. You can do all kinds of things to locate the diseased organ or organ systems. You can find a fracture. Okay. With Western medicine, if you have a patient who is has life-threatening condition like acute severe trauma, hemorrhage, um, internal bleeding. Um, any manner of fractures, any manner of stuff that's broken, well, we have modalities that can reverse shock. We can do blood transfusions. We can increase blood pressure. 
we can do surgery to repair severe fractures. So for life-saving, for um, acute management of disease, and for treating the disease directly, because let's face it, in the early phases, folks, you need to treat that disease. Uh, otherwise, number one, things can get worse. Number two, the patient can be in excruciating pain. And that's the third thing, is that we can also, in Western medicine, provide immediate, effective, instantaneous pain relief. And pain relief is a big part of good medicine. It's not just being nice and compassionate. It's a big part of medicine. Painful patients are stressed patients. Stressed patients are less stable patients. So we have to understand that's very important. So Yes, I'm always wanting to go down the road of Western medicine to start with. Absolutely. We need that diagnosis. We need to stabilize the patient. If something's broken, we need to put it back together, right? I repair knees all the time. So that's the main pro. The cause of Western medicine is that when you get into sort of the chronic nature of things, so chronic high blood pressure, chronic back pain, chronic arthritis, chronic this, that, the other, name your chronic disease, well, the only thing we have to offer in Western medicine is, is throwing a pill at it, throwing an injection at it. And what happens is with these things are side effects. There's no way around that. There's side effects. There's nothing without side effects uh, in terms of when you're treating disease directly. Great example, anti-inflammatories. And anti-inflammatories can be great in managing arthritis. You take that every day, yep, you're going to feel better. That dog's going to feel better. But it's going to beat up the liver a little bit. It's going to beat up the kidneys a little bit. you got to do monitoring blood work once every six months for that reason. And so side effects, right? And that's the main drawback with Western medicine. We can do all these things. It's almost like you have a magic wand sometimes. But despite that, there's going to be some unwanted side effect, all right? Now, with Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, or alternative techniques, uh, when it comes to, you know, so, so let's talk about the, the cons first, and then we'll talk about a lot of good things. But the cons, the main con is you're not going to stop hemorrhage. You're not going to reverse shock. If there's severe unrelenting pain. You may not be able to stop that immediately. Um, and, you know, there, if there's things like low blood pressure, if there's a common muted compound fracture, you're not going to be able to fix that with acupuncture, let's face it. So it has some limitations. The other big thing is you're not really diagnosing with state-of-the-art diagnostics. So a lot of these Eastern-trained doctors are relying on physical examination skills, which we know uh, can have some limitation. Of course, those guys are, because it's all they have, probably are 20 times better at diagnosing disease from physical examination than we are because we have diagnostics to fall back on. But still, there's that limitation. Nobody with their hands and observation can diagnose all disease. Certainly, you know, Lord knows I'm fooled all the time. And results I get on blood work or things I see on x-rays surprise me all the time. So diagnostic capabilities is a limitation. But here's here's some of the pros. Some of the pros are that you can treat these things, you can reduce pain, you can help the body to heal itself, and you can do all this, ready for this, without side effects. Without side effects. And now, I'm not just talking about herbal, traditional Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture. Yes, that's a big part of it, but there's some high-tech stuff. So we can do electroacupuncture. So you put in all your electro, or you, you put in all your acupuncture needles, and you hook up electrodes to them. You put a low-level frequency of electricity in certain points. What does it do? It, it, it can um, stimulate muscles, wake up dead nerves or damaged nerves. Um, it can um, create new nerve pathways where before there was dead ends. So for nerve damage, for things like um, spinal discompression we're really able to avoid surgery in a majority of cases, whereas in the past, 
a lot more surgery was being done, especially in practices that, you know, weren't doing these types of things. And electroacupuncture is not the only high-tech modality that's an alternative. We also have, as I talked about, the, the, the therapy laser. Now, therapy laser, it's alternative. There's no negative side effects. It's along the same lines as, you know, Eastern medicine, but it is very high-tech. I mean, my, my, surgery, my surgery, my therapy laser cost uh, uh, $22,000, um, and, and I have to pay $2,000 a year to maintain the thing uh, because with high-tech gadgets come high-tech problems. So um, it's become such a mainstay in my practice that I have to take all measures to make sure it is running at all times. My laser is busy. I use it for tissue regeneration, so really bad burns really bad, um, like, uh, road rash, degloving injuries. I use it for osteoarthritis. I use it for chronic, uh, really nasty ear disease. I use it for lick granulomas. These big, messy, callus-infected things that can end up on dogs' feet that lick them too much. We use it for all manners of things, um, and it's an a lo- amazing modality, and it's alternative. Nutraceutical therapy, in the case of uh, chronic liver disease, I like to treat with milk thistle. Milk thistle is an herb that has regenerative properties to the liver. It's been proven. It's been studied. This is real. Um, we have a lot of data behind it. If we combine that with a higher tech sort of supplement, it's not as natural as uh, milk thistle. It, it is synthesized in a lab, but it's called SAM-E, S-A-M-E. SAM-E is also regenerative to the liver. And if we combine the two in one pill, we have an amazing supplement that has, I've seen, bring down liver enzymes, as well as, as well as any other Western modality we may have to treat chronic liver disease. So it's become a mainstay of treating liver issues in dogs and cats. We have things like glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids are, are anti-inflammatory. We have prescription diets that can treat chronic kidney failure, diets that are uh, restricted in protein, restricted in sodium, and restricted in phosphorus can be very beneficial to the kidneys in terms of reducing their workload, reducing toxins in the body, and helping these patients to feel better and live longer. We have heart diets. There's a diet called HD made by the Hills Corporation that is nutritionally supportive to the heart. It has things like vitamin E, free radical sponges. It's limited in sodium. It has the right mix of nutrients that are heart healthy. It's high in omega-3 fatty acids. You know, so we have nutritional therapy, nutraceutical therapy. I'm just, I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg here. I'm going to get more into examples in my next part two of this series. But very quickly, let's talk about what, are the, what have been the main barriers? Why haven't we gone here until recently? And why are we still not going there full steam ahead? Well, I got my answer. Number one, we, we live very much in a, a Western-type culture. I have a friend who suffers from Crohn's disease. Crohn's disease is a severe inflammatory disease in the intestine. And this guy, you know, he never really took very good care of himself. Um, and, and when I started talking to him about, you know, nutrition and, and, you know, try to go with unprocessed foods, try to go with raw vegetables, lots of fruits, try cooking for yourself, lay off the fast food. You know what? He followed it for a little while and he felt better and he did better and he saw the results. He started taking omega-3 fatty acids. He did better. Um, in fact, you know, he wasn't really needing to rely on, you know, GI-type supportive medications. Well, he's a busy guy. You know, he works three 12-hour shifts a week. He's in the medical field, in the medical field of all things. And so he just kind of fell out of it. He, 
he got a little lazy. Um, granted, he works hard, but three 12-hour shifts a week is not terrible, 36 hours a week. But, you know, he just kind of fell back into the routine of stuffing his face with fast food, eating things like donuts and lots of coffee and just, you know, treating his body like crap. And so he's got a, you know, he's got a solution. He swallows antacids, you know, a couple times a day like they're candy. He takes things like Pepto-Bismol. He takes, uh, what's the other thing, um, Prilosec, you know, like that, that, that's an antacid. But, you know, he's on these things constantly, and they're not without potential side effects, but it's okay because it's a quick fix. He doesn't have to put work into it. And that just kind of defines our culture. This is a very good guy, and I don't, you know, if he's listening, I hope he doesn't hold me in ill will for using him as an example. But that's, that, that's just us, you know, kind of to a T. We want fast results. We want the pill for that, and we want to just go about our lives, right? That's number one. That was one example that struck me. But second example was I uh, was talking to the CEO the other day, CEO of five physical therapy uh, clinics, human physical therapy clinics uh, in, in my area. So he's the CEO of a company that owns five of these big physical therapy firms. He's a doctor. And I just got chatting with him about therapy laser, and I just asked him, you know, I have one of these in my office. I think the results are great. The data is very conclusive. Are you, are you guys doing this as well? This is good stuff. He said, nope. I said, do you not believe in it? He goes, no, I believe in it. So I said, why aren't you doing it? He said, well, insurance won't pay for it. And if insurance won't pay for it, we're not doing it. Bottom line, end of story. So I said, you know, why don't you offer it as an ancillary service and just say this costs extra, but, you know, insurance won't cover it, but we really recommend it. He said, People won't go for it because people have to pay so much money for their insurance. If insurance won't cover it, they're not going to pay for it either. And that's where we're a little better off in veterinary medicine. But the problem is that a lot of the tenants of veterinary medicine have their roots in human medicine. So a lot of the innovations that come out of human medicine, we end up going down that road in, in, in veterinary medicine. So a lot of what we do has its roots in human medicine. That's one problem. Um, so we have that barrier on, on my side of the medical part of it. But, but secondly, we also have the carryover of wanting a pill for that, um, the, 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 uh, the rat race mentality and the, the quick fix mentality. And so we're, we're, we're trying to change the culture, not just in my practice, but in my industry, a lot of us. Um, and we don't have to deal with insurance companies for the most part, which is really nice. And I hope that remains the same way uh, for a long time to come because insurance companies clearly have done their damage to human medicine, one of which is keeping alternative modalities out of overwhelmingly out of out of uh, out of medicine in our country and it's really a shame so that's pretty much part one of of the series we're going to continue this there's a part two and a part three and i'm really excited to continue and uh, we're going to do one a week and moving forward here i'm going to be broadcasting to you regularly uh, let's go over our last email question our second and last and this is from erica from boulder colorado happy new year doc so glad to so glad to see you back on the air again. I have an 11-year-old dog with pretty bad general arthritis everywhere. I'm interested in your knowledge of nutritional and nutraceutical therapy for my dog and would like some supplement and diet recommendations. Thank you so much. Well, for diet, um, I've become a big fan of it. The Hills Corporation, again, the Hills is an amazing company. They, they do just constant research, feeding trials, all kinds of innovative dietary stuff. They come out with a diet called JD. JD is just loaded with uh, things like glucosamine, but there's also just a heavy, heavy uh, amount of omega-3 fatty acid, very absorbable omega-3 fatty acid, and, and the, the integrity and the absorption of the omega-3 is second to none. Um, 
I have both of my dogs on this. I have one dog who's a Labrador who's going to be seven this year. He had reconstructed elbow surgery as a puppy. And I have a 12-year-old Border Collie, Lulu, who I'm doing acupuncture on. I also do some therapy laser on her. But I'm also feeding her JD. And I feed you know both dogs JD for their different issues, and, and they really responded well to it. So I've, I've been putting my osteoarthritis patients on these things. In addition to that, I love a supplement called Dasaquin. It's day, or D-A-S-U. Q-U-I-N, Dasaquin. Uh, it's made by a company called Nutramax. Talk to your vet about it. You can get it very often. Whoa, that frightened me. Excuse me. I, I just got my warning that I have 90 seconds and it just jolted me. Um, so, yeah, those are the two main strategies that I would that would, I would implore. Um, JD is also a weight control diet. So it, it's, you know, keeping a lot of these um, overweight dogs keeping their weight in check. So that also helps osteoarthritis. So I would look, look, look into weight control as well. JD helps you with that, but you also want to watch portions, okay? So those are the main nutritional and nutraceutical concerns when we're talking about um, osteoarthritis. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. I do miss talking to all of you, and uh, I plan to do a lot of it this year. So please tune in. Um, I, I plan on focusing a great deal on, on the integrative aspects of, of veterinary medicine, and I'm very, very excited to, to, to uh, share that all with you. So Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you again for caring about what I have to say. Have a great night, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.